Welcome to The Word at First Prez. Over the spring and summer, we are doing a sermon series called Philosopher Kings. The goal of this sermon series is to examine the life philosophies of members of our congregation and how those life philosophies intersect with the Bible. Our hope is that you will find that everyone has something to teach us about life, faith, love, and our relationship with God. I hope you enjoy. Let us continue our worship with our first scripture reading coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you, and that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today comes from Acts, chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. So the very night before Herod was going to bring him out, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while guards in front of the door were keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up, quickly. And the chains fell off of his wrists. The angel said to him, Fasten your belt and put on your sandals. He did so. Then he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter went out and followed him. He did not realize that what was happening with the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. After they had passed the first and the second guard, they came before the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went outside and walked along a lane, when suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, two weeks in a row, I'm feeling good. Are you all feeling good? All right, yeah. We, if you were here last week, you know that we were doing a sermon series. It's called Philosopher Kings. And the idea of a philosopher king actually comes from the uh, Greek philosopher Plato. He believed that the people who we should be following in our lives, the people who have the most authority and deserve the most respect are philosophers, people who have a philosophy. This is not just true of trained philosophers. This is true of ordinary average people. And last week, what I told you was that everybody has a life philosophy. Everyone has one. It's just a matter of whether or not you've thought about what that life philosophy actually is. And so in January, I asked you all, members of the congregation, to send me your life philosophy. And so many of you sent them to me that I was able to create a really wonderful sermon series around this. And so each week, what we do is we start with one or more of these life philosophies, and then we see how they intersect and diverge from the Bible. And I think what you will come to find is that there is a lot that we have to learn from everyone. Everyone here has a lot to teach us about life, love, faith, and our relationship with God. So today, I want to begin with a story that came to me from one of our members. Her name is Lisa Olszewski. So Lisa's paternal grandparents, they actually originally came from North Korea. 
And her grandfather's name was Changwon Sungwoo, and he was a surgeon in North Korea. And this was around 1946, so this gives you the timing of it, the context of it. And he became very concerned because at this time, there was a party that was coming to power known as the WPK. This was the Workers' Party of Korea, and it was run by a man named King Il-sung, this man right here. Now, he ended up taking over and running North Korea from 1948 to 1944. But this is 1946, so we're a few years before that. Let me give you a little bit of background on Kim Il-sung and who he was. So the WPK, they were a communist party that was closely aligned with Russia. Kim Il-sung, he had actually spent time in the Red Army within the Soviet Union, and he was really taken by what he saw there. He looked at what Stalin was overseeing in Russia at the time, and he felt that's what Korea needed to do. That's what they needed to be. So he comes back, he forms the WPK, and he starts to rise to power. Now, unfortunately, Kim Il-sung, he decides that he wants to mirror Stalin's style of leadership, which was brutal and oppressive and self-serving. Now, Lisa's grandfather, she can, he can see that this is coming. And so he has to make a decision. Is he going to stay there in what will eventually become North Korea, or is he going to leave? And he makes a decision, you know what, we got to get out of here. So he abandons his medical practice, he abandons his wealth, and he takes his family and they go to South Korea. Now, this is the story of how they get there. So this is March of 1946. And they can't just get in a car and drive there. They're going to have to walk. And they start in Pyongyang, which is right there. You can see that. And they're going to walk about 150 miles. So they walk it at night so that they won't be seen. And they rest and sleep during the day. They do this for seven nights and eight days as they're coming down. Now, it's not just Lisa's grandfather. At this point, Lisa, her father has been born, he's 18 months old, and Lisa's grandfather is carrying him on his back, and Lisa's grandmother is eight months pregnant with her uncle. So they're traveling at night, it's 150 miles, it's a very arduous, exhausting journey. They didn't bring enough food with them, so they were starving most of the time. Eventually, they get to a town known as Haiju, which is down there. And once they get to Haiju, that's when Lisa's grandfather gets arrested by North Korean and Russian soldiers and placed in jail. Now, this is a bad situation because even though at this point we haven't had the Korean War, that won't happen until 1950, and we haven't had the split, it is very clear that anybody who's trying to flee from the North and get to the South, that you are considered to be a traitor to the WPK and that you will be imprisoned and you will be sent to a concentration camp. This is known as the Gulag. And once you are there, your family is snuffed out of existence. So this is the situation that he is facing now that he is in this jail. But while he's there, he notices that there is a Russian officer stationed in this jail. Now, to understand why this is important, we've got to rewind for a moment. We've got to go back to World War II. Because in World War II, Lisa's grandfather, he was conscripted into the Japanese army, and he was serving in Manchuria. So this is where Manchuria is located, and you kind of see there on the map, see Korea south of it, you can see that Russia is north of it, right? So 
He's serving in Manchuria as a medical doctor. He's dealing with the wounded. He's dealing with people who are sick. And then Russia comes in and takes over Manchuria. And he continues to serve there at this time. He continues to serve. And he gets to know a bunch of the Russian officers. And in particular, he becomes very good friends with a high-ranking Russian battalion officer. They get to know each other really well. And when the war finally ends, this battalion officer hands Lisa's grandfather his business card. And on the back of this business card, he writes, please take care of this doctor. He is my friend. That's on the back, and that's in Russian. So now we need to fast forward back to he's in Haiju. He's in the jail cell, right? And he sees this Russian official. And he starts speaking to him in Russian because he knows some Russian. And he's trying to tell this Russian official that he is a Russian citizen who was coming down to Haiju to visit some family members. And this whole arrest is a big mistake. Now, on his person, he has on him his ID from when he served as a doctor in Manchuria. And he has this card from this high-ranking Russian battalion officer with that little note on the back saying that this man is my friend. Please take care of him. So he hands this over to him, and they start having a conversation. And the Korean soldiers are like, this dude is from Korea. I don't know what you're talking about. But the Russian officer, he's listening to him talk because he knows enough about it. He's traveled well enough. He knows what's happening to be able to speak to him. And eventually, the Russian officer says, no, this guy is a Russian citizen, and lets him go. And so it's 1 or 2 in the morning. They're out in the middle of the field, he's reunited with his family at this point. They're out there in the middle of nowhere. They have no idea where they are. And Lisa's grandfather is a man of great faith. And so he looks down and he prays and he's like, Lord, just please help me through this situation. And what he knows is that on hills, on mountains, that's usually where houses of worship are located. And so he has this feeling in his body that he needs to go up to this hill. He needs to, go, he needs to go uphill. So he takes his family, they go up to the top of this hill, and off in the distance they can see this faint light. And so they start going towards this light that's at the top of this mountain. And when they get there, they see that there is a church at the top. And he starts knocking on the door of the church. Remember, this is two or three in the morning. He's knocking, he's knocking. And eventually the door opens, and there's a priest on the other side. And the priest looks out, and he says, Dr. Sun Wu? A few years earlier, Lisa's grandfather had performed an appendectomy on this priest. And so the priest recognized him from this surgery, knew who he was, invited him into the church, took care of the family, and eventually was able to procure a guide who then took them to South Korea. And Lisa's grandfather would go on to do great, great things. He went down there, he reestablished his medical practice, he started working at St. Mary's Catholic Hospital, and turned it into one of the premier hospitals in South Korea, which it still is to this day. Then eventually they all immigrate over to the United States, he continues his medical practice here, and then in his 80s, when he can no longer do surgery, he converts over to psychiatry. He actually established the first Korean Catholic Church in Columbus, Ohio, this is a man who did amazing things with his life. He died at the age of 95, 
And I want to make sure I get this right. So he has six children, right? He has he has six 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 children. If I'm right, is it 14 grandchildren <laughs> and 24 great grandchildren? I think that's right. So, yes, I was right about that. Sorry. So he has that, and he was the entire time. This man was a very very faithful Christian. He was dedicated to his family. They're all sitting right there in a row right there. Uh, he was very dedicated to his church, and he was very dedicated to his patients. Amazing story, is it not? And you can see how this story would influence Lisa. It would be a very important story in her life. This is what she had to say about it. When confronted with trials and fears, I intuitively fall back on the faith and trust in God that I inherited from my grandparents. Now, I think what's so fascinating about this story is how it moves from one generation to the next, how the story of what happened to her grandfather, that that is what has inspired faith in each subsequent generation of her family. Because the truth is, right, if any one of those circumstances had gone the other way, Lisa would not be here today. So if her grandfather did not speak Russian, if her grandfather had not served in Manchuria and had that ID card, if he would not get, gotten to know this, this battalion commander, if he hadn't performed surgery on this priest, any one of those things could have resulted in him being captured again, being sent to the gulag, and once you're there, there's no coming out. So very much so, her life is dependent on a lot of those circumstances going the right way. Now, I don't know if you noticed it, but this particular story, it's very similar to the story we read from the book of Acts. Very, very similar. So what happens in that story? Do you all remember? Very simple, right? Peter, he's been captured. He is in danger of being executed. And so he's in prison, and they have him there. He's between two guards. He's shackled. And what happens? An angel comes releases him from his shackles, guides him out of the prison, guides him to the city gates, and he thinks it's all a dream, a vision, right? And then when he comes to himself, he realizes that it's real. I see a lot of parallels between that story and what happened to Lisa's grandfather. So Lisa's grandfather, he's in prison. He's facing death. And then this angel comes. This angel in the form of a Russian officer comes and releases him. And when he's out, he prays, God guides him to this church where he finds this priest, and it's similar to what happens to Peter where the angel leads him out to the city gates to safety. Now, to me, when I look at this story, and I imagine if I was in that situation, I don't know if I would be that calm. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Like, you're in a situation you know what the outcome is likely going to be. But to be in that situation, to have the faith that, okay, I'm just going to work, I'm going to go through this and be able to get to the other side of it, that's remarkable to me. And clearly, this is a big part of what shapes Lisa's life philosophy, right? That if you have faith, that God's going to guide you through those moments of suffering in your life. And I think that's an amazing, I think that's something that we can take away from Lisa's story. The other side to that 
is the question of when you're in the midst of suffering, how do you maintain your faith so that you can make it through to the other side? That's the hard part. It's one thing to say, hey, have faith when you're suffering, right? When you're not suffering. But when you're in the middle of suffering, when you're in the middle of a tough situation, that's where it's really hard to do. And to talk about that, I want to turn to our second life philosophy today. And that comes from Felicia Bruce. Now, Felicia had this to say. I'm just going to read her quote here. God will not put more on you than you can bear. No matter how hard the task set before you, you will be able to overcome the obstacle ahead. It will never be an easy job, but don't give up. Keep hold of your faith in God as he will guide the way. He won't make the decisions for you, only provide you with choices to make. You have to be smart enough to make the right decision. And even if you make the wrong decision, it only adds to the pathway of the correct one. No one is perfect. Now, I really love this. I love the way that she put that. I think that's just a beautiful sentiment. And a lot of this comes from the scripture that you heard TC read today. Uh, This is derived from, you probably heard, God will never give you more than you can bear. So let's read this scripture again, because I think it's really important. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Okay. I want to take this scripture and I want to break this down because what Felicia has brought up is some really interesting questions here about the nature of God and the nature of suffering in the world. Are you with me? All right. Okay, so it's going to take some time to break this down. The first question we have to answer in all of this, it's a much larger question that kind of undergirds all of this, is do you believe that God predetermines a plan for everyone's life. So do you believe that God knows everything that you're ever going to do, and then it's kind of, it's like moving pieces on a chessboard? Now I want to examine this question, because each of you are going to have different answers to this, through Lisa's grandfather's story. So remember in the story what happens? He's arrested, he's placed in jail. And so the question is, did God place that Russian officer there so that he could escape? And did God end up placing that priest in that church so that he could end up getting to South Korea? Now, if you are a person who believes that God preordains everything, then what's your answer going to be to that? Obviously, it will be yes, right? So, basically, God knew what... Lisa's grandfather was going to do with his life, how many people he was going to help, and therefore arranged the pieces in such a way that he would have this conversation with the Russian officer, he'd be able to get out, and he'd be able to find this priest. Now, if you are a proponent of this way of thinking, one of the things that you often focus on is the outcome. And if the outcome works well for you, then this way of thinking, I think, can work. Right? So if it works out for you and you end up in a good situation like Lisa's grandfather, that works well. But we have to remember, not everybody was as fortunate as Lisa's grandfather. So he wasn't the only one trying to get out of North Korea at that point in time. There were many, many people trying to flee. And not all of them made it. Not all of them made it to the other side. Many of them were caught. Many of them were placed in concentration camps into the gulag. And in case you're wondering how bad the gulag is, there was a survivor of Auschwitz. Came out of that camp. It's the most notorious of all the German camps. 
and said of the gulag that it is as terrible as or worse than what the Nazis had developed. And by the way, the gulag is still in existence to this day. It has not been shut down. It exists right now. There are people in it now. There are people who are being tortured, starved, and worked to death. So, if you're going to say that God has a plan for everyone, then you have to deal with what is God's plan for these people in the gulag. Because where was their angel? Where was their Russian officer to get them out of that situation? And if you're going to go down that road, there's only one of two options you have in that situation if they're in the gulag. Your first option is that that was God's plan, that ultimately God planned for you to end up there. Or your only other option beyond that is God forgot about you. Now, I don't think either of those are particularly attractive, do you? I don't think that that reflects super well on a God of unconditional love. Would you agree? All right, I don't like either of those options. So for me, I do not believe that God has a plan in terms of us suffering. I don't think that that's the way God works, that God says, well, okay, you're going to suffer more and you're going to suffer less. I just don't see that as the way that God works. What I believe is that most of what we endure in our lives is the product of random chance. And the best example of this is how you were born. So did you have any control about who your parents were? No, you did not. Did you have any control about the amount of resources that your parents had when they had you? No, you did not. Did you have any control over the country in which you were born? No, you did not. All of that was a roll of the dice. You ended up here, you could have been somewhere else. So you can have the best parents in the world. You can have wonderful parents who love you and care for you and try to give you the best life. But if you are born in North Korea, unfortunately, your life is probably not going to turn out super well, simply because of where you were born. You didn't have any control over that, but you happened to be born there, and that's unfortunate. Likewise, you could be born here in the United States. We have so many resources here. And yet, if you were, if you were born into a family where you are abused, neglected, you don't have resources, that can be just as bad as growing up in North Korea. Just depends on where you are. So, to me, I don't think that God plans for your suffering. I don't think that God does that. I think that our suffering is the result of the fact that we have been given free will. Choices to live the way that we want to live. You have a choice, do you not? You do. You can choose to live however you want to, and that comes with consequences. Let me give you an example of what I mean based on what we've been talking about this morning. So, I do not believe that God decided one day, sat down and said, you know what, I think North Korea should be run by a dictator and America will be democratic. I don't think that God made that decision ever. What happened was Kim Il-sung comes to power with the WPK and he chooses certain things that he's going to do. He chooses the way he's going to run that country. And when he comes to power, he decides that he's not going to allow people to just roam around freely. He decides he's going to shut the borders off, and he's going to basically starve them out. I mean, it's true. The people of North Korea, on multiple occasions, because they were not part of the global economy, starved. Many of them starved to death. He made those choices. 
Now, I don't think that God influenced those choices. I don't think God was like, okay, we're going to go down this road. I don't think God did that. I don't think that God tried to stop those choices. What I do believe is that God was present in the midst of the suffering that was caused by those choices. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very important here. God didn't cause the choices. God didn't stop the choices. But God was present in the midst of the suffering that was caused by the choices of Kim Il-sung. And this brings us back to Felicia's scripture where she gets her idea from of God will not give us more than we can bear. Let's look at it again. Very important. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Okay, first of all, I do not believe that God tests us. I believe that life tests us. Life tests all of us, does it not? Absolutely, all the time. Suffering does not discriminate. Has anybody in here not suffered ever? If you haven't, I think we need to use you as the case study because that would be amazing. Everybody in here has suffered, right? It's simply a matter of the degree to which you have suffered in your life. Yes? Okay. So, when you look at this, though, when you usually hear it, right, you usually hear the first part. He will not let you be tested beyond your strength, and people stop there. Now, if you stop there and you don't go to the second part of this, I'm afraid that you're not really dealing with the whole thing. Because the first part by itself, that's patently false. That's simply not true. People are tested beyond their strength all the time. Look at people in the gulag. Look at people in Nazi concentration camps. Oh, they were tested beyond their strength. They were killed. However, if you add the second part of that in, right, where it says that he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Now that, my friends, that is true most of the time. I have seen that to be true most of the time. So again, let's use Lisa's grandfather's story as an example of this, because I think this is really important. So Lisa's grandfather, he's a man of great faith, is he not? Obviously he is. And I totally see how faith was guiding his interactions when he was in that jail, wasn't he? I mean, clearly, his faith is what allowed him to see that this Russian officer was his key to freedom, right? I mean, that was guiding him through that. And you might be sitting there and saying, okay, I, I, I get that, that his faith was guiding him, but why does the faith matter? The faith matters in this situation in a big, big way. Because here's the thing. When Lisa's grandfather was in that situation, I've seen this again and again and again. I've seen it where you find yourself in a tough situation, and then your faith is what opens you to be able to see the angels that are all around you. Remember the story of Peter? So the angel that leads him out? Now that story is a fantastical story in many ways. But the story of Lisa's grandfather, that Russian, so that Russian officer, he was an angel to him, was he not? I mean, truly, he was. It's the same thing in that story. And so what I see is that being able to overcome that, if you're really connected to God's spirit, if you're really connected to God, that allows you to see the people who are in your life who will help you get to the other side of that suffering. 
I really truly believe so strongly in the idea that God has people in our lives that help us so that we can actually get to the other side of suffering. And you know how I've seen that? I just saw this yesterday. So Felicia, sadly, her sister passed away. And we all, I went down there, we went, I went to the funeral for it, and to see all of these people who came around and were there for her in the midst of that, these people who were helping her. Did God plan for her sister to die? No. No. But the reason why she hasn't been broken by that suffering is because all of these people have come around her to help lift her up. And have you ever noticed this? You've probably seen this during the pandemic. People who are alone, people who are by themselves, people who don't have a support system or people who reject that support system, often it is more than their strength can bear because they don't have anybody around them. But when you have faith, it allows you to see all of these people who are here who are willing to support you and help you and love you and get you through that. Now, why does faith matter? Why does that actually make the difference? Why would you, somebody on the outside, could they see that? Maybe. But faith, this is what faith does. Faith, by its nature, if you believe in a God, you obviously understand that you can't do everything on your own, that there's something greater than you, right? And if you have faith, that also means that you are a vulnerable person. You realize that there's a certain point where you can't do it by yourself and you need to reach out for help. And so this sermon is called what? What's the sermon title? On Faith and Perseverance. So this is the philosophy that I see from these two people, from Lisa and from Felicia, which is this. That if you have faith, that will give you the perseverance to be able to see and take advantage of the people who God has placed in your life to get you to the other side of suffering. That is what faith does for us. Because when you're suffering, right? I've, you've been through suffering. When you're in the middle of suffering, do you, is it easy for you to see the people around you who are loving you? No, it's very, very hard. It blocks you from that. When you're in the midst of real suffering, it's really hard to see the people who are there to support you. But when you have faith, it opens you up to that. And so that is my prayer for you all today. My prayer for you all is that you would have the faith to be able to see the people in your midst who are there to help you persevere. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been dealing with, I hope that you will be able to see those who are there to support you, love you, and get you through that. Now, some of those people are going to be obvious, like your family, your friends, members of this community, right? Some will be less obvious, like a Russian officer in a North Korean prison. But what I want you to be able to do is to be able to sit back and say, God has people in my life who are there to support me and get me to the other side. Lord, give me the faith to have eyes that I might be able to see how these people are your hands and feet in the world. And if we can do that, then I think we can persevere, and I think we can get to the other side of suffering. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.